I'm Peter Boxer, publisher of OHS Canada, and you're listening to 2020 Focus on Safety, brought to you by OHS Canada Magazine, Canada's premier occupational health and safety publication, serving the professional Canadian safety community since 1985. OHS Canada's 2020 is meant to focus on today's trends and issues affecting the Canadian workplace safety landscape, based on questions we received from our 10,000 plus Twitter followers. Hello everyone, I'm Peter Boxer, publisher of OHS Canada, and you're listening to OHS Canada's 2020 Focus on Safety. When it comes to dealing with harassment and violence in the workplace, in the Me Too day and age, it was disappointing to recently learn that perhaps when it comes down to it, apparently there's a big difference between talking the talk and walking the walk. Recent events have shown that both those who market products and services to identify, investigate, and mitigate workplace harassment and violence, and those who are tasked with learning more about those techniques, have proven that if the information wasn't free or at no cost, then it's no longer in demand. No one knows this better than our guest today, Deborah Danders. Deborah is the Ontario Regional Director and National Coordinator for Strategic Campaigns for the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, representing more than a quarter of a million workers across Canada. She's received her Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Toronto, a specialist in labour management relations and a major in sociology of work. Deborah was hired in 2000 to work as a national representative for the UFCW, she has held many positions, including National Youth Coordinator, Servicing Representative, and Organizer. In these positions, she's developed leadership programs, organized conferences, chaired committees, developed strategies and implemented projects, service bargaining units, negotiated collective agreements, and organized workers. Deborah also worked in the training and education department, developing and delivering in-class courses, as well as administering and expanding the Web Campus Program, Canada's first and best online labor education program. Deborah, hi, and thanks for joining us today on this edition of 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Deborah, you've had personal experiences with workplace harassment on both sides of the fence, giving you a unique perspective on harassment and violence in the workplace and how workplaces deal with the claims. Can you give us a little insight on your experiences? Absolutely. Back in the late 90s, I was working for uh, Eaton's department store. And at that time, um, the issue of sexual harassment in the workplace was just coming out. And so I got hired as a service facilitator, which are the workers that you don't see. They come in very early in the morning, at around 6 o'clock in the morning, put out the stock, and they leave at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, so they set up the store and make it look pretty. So I got hired. Uh, the pay was really good. It was about $2 above minimum wage. I loved my job. I loved everybody who I was working with. The only issue was I had a supervisor that would start with sexually explicit jokes at 6 o'clock in the morning all the way to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He would accost us in the elevators. He would ask us out on dates. Um, I, you know, on several occasions, I told him I was engaged. He told me, well, don't worry about that, you know. Um, and and so I took it, you know, so I laughed for the first six months, but it was extremely uncomfortable. Majority of the workers were women. And about the six-month mark where, you know, my job was no longer in jeopardy, I sort of turned around to my coworkers and said, guys, this doesn't feel good. Um you know, we should do something about it. And I got up in the middle of the cafeteria and I said, you need to stop. We don't need to hear this at, you know, six o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon. Needless to say, didn't stop, just kept on going. And so I asked my coworkers if they put a complaint with me. They all said no. They were fearful of their jobs, uh, but I did it. I went to the human resource office and put in a, um, a complaint. At that time, nobody had uh, policies around sexual harassment. 
Um, and uh, needless to say, it's a long story, but my supervisor was able to galvanize the support, make it out to be a he versus, you know, she, you know, she's she doesn't she like she said, these yeah. type of he said, she said, and um, I was alienated by my coworkers. Uh, my working conditions became terrible, horrible, even worse than before. And the first one to get laid off was myself. Uh, so I filed a human rights complaint and uh, Eaton's went bankrupt. So we'll never know the end of that. But uh, that's how I personally, uh, you know, am aware of what sexual harassment is like. I, how difficult it is for workers to step forward and to say, put up their hand and say, I'm really uncomfortable with, with, with what's going on. Um, there's violence in my workplace. I don't feel comfortable coming to work. And what happens to some workers uh, when they actually do put up their hand? Yeah, we've had um, uh, a long, uh, lo lot of feedback from our readers and web visitors about this. And, and most of the terms uh, that come up equal down to it's a long and lonely journey. Yeah. It sounds, like, sounds like you had the same experience. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then, uh, well, well, with that experience and, and other experiences that you've had, again, from both sides of the fences, harassment seems to be such a high-profile issue these days. But are employers, in your opinion, putting their money where their mouth is and devoting the required resources to address harassment, which is pervasive in many workplaces? And I don't think they are. I think that employers today are just doing the bare minimum. Um, and I think workplaces have to go beyond the legal minimum to ensure that workers feel safe at work. A policy is not going to ensure that workers feel safe at work. Uh, what really needs to happen? No, no. So a policy, a policy is something in writing that maybe is posted next to the bathroom, but it, what really needs to happen is the culture needs to change. There has to be an open and transparent, no, you know, no harassment policy. Everybody has to be, feel comfortable to step up and say, this is not acceptable. Everybody has to have a say in the workplace about that. Everybody has to feel comfortable in saying if they see sexual harassment happening in the workplace, hey, that's not okay. And when our culture comes to that point, I think we will be in a better place. I think that we will be able to empower the victim. I think we will be able to have more healthier, equitable workplaces free from sexual harassment and other forms of violence. Well, you know, if you take a look back to your Eaton's experience, it's like, you know, many different personalities will exhibit many different personality traits. So, and, uh, you know, the standard is, it's like, okay, well, everybody support me. And everyone says yes. And then it's like, and then the boss or someone shows up and it's like, you take the one step forward, you know, or one step forward and no one else takes that step with you. So you're kind of left out in the cold. So what, what makes you think hold, not all those people back because everybody has different reasons, you know, fear for jobs and so on and so forth. But what do you think holds most people back from supporting others who are willing to take this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and I think that it has to do with how sexual harassment is still viewed, right? Um, how sure. people do not do not support the victim, um, you know? So yeah. I think that, that's, that's the issue. Okay. Um, well, as a union uh, representative, what role do you think unions can play with respect to uh, workplace harassment matters? So unions have a unique position. Unions are worker advocate and uh, advocates, and their job is to make sure that workers are feel safe at work and have a voice in the workplace. So, you know, 
if you're afraid of stepping forward and you're in a unionized work environment, rest assured that the union is there to have your back. The union will make sure that you are supported during this process and they'll make sure that they can address any issue that comes up. And so uh, they're your advocate, they're your support for this difficult process. Let your union know what's going on, they're there to help you. So in a sense, to kind of paraphrase, they could be those other people that need to take that step forward with you. So Absolutely. It's interesting. Um, well, you know, it's like your personal experience on workplace harassment. Have they changed your views towards the issue or, or can, you know, how you were treated? How do you think the, the company could have treated you better towards uh, mitigating this, this, this issue faster? Well, listen, I, I think that companies can still do a lot to make sure. I look at the legislation that we have today and I put myself back in the shoes in the late 1990s. And I asked myself, if, if this legislation was in place in the 1990s, would things have been any different? And I, I'm going to say no, not really, because, right. um, you know, what I think really helps in cases of sexual harassment is having a third party do the investigation. Neutrality is so important. And, um, you know, when the parties are all involved, it's very difficult to be objective, even though you have to be, you know, fair and confidential and follow the human rights and safety legislation. That's difficult to do. So what I would say is if we actually had legislation that actually made it a requirement, not a choice, a requirement to have a third party do the investigations, I think more people would, would step forward and I think you would have a more fair process. That sounds like something we have to get uh, involved with politically. We have to talk to our representatives. Absolutely. And I think employers don't have to be afraid, right? Um, because yeah. the alternative is that we are going, we are losing very talented, articulate, creative women. We're losing them in our workplaces because these articulate, creative, talented women can go somewhere else where the workplace culture is much better, where they don't have to face sexual harassment. So having a system where you are paying for a third party consultation is not expensive when you think of the alternative, which is creative, articulate, uh, talented people leaving your organization because your culture doesn't make it a good workplace. Well, it's, it's basic knowledge that retention of employees saves a lot more money than going up to hire all the time. Absolutely. Well, you know, we, we had a chance to, to go over some of these questions before uh, the show today. But one I didn't think of until now is, as a representative of UFCW, you see um, different generations in the workplace, from anywhere from millennials to, to baby boomers. Do you see or hear a difference in thinking between the newer generation coming into the workforce versus the mid to older generations in the workforce? You know what, that's a great question. I've often thought about that. And I really want to say that, you know, with the younger generation, I really do see hope. I really do see hope with the Me Too movement. I think it's really inspired. It took me a long time to talk about, even amongst my colleagues in safe places, you know, what had happened to me at Eaton's. It took a very long time. It took the Me Too movement for me to say, hey, that happened to me too. And that's why I look at things a little bit different. Um, and that's why I believe in the victim. And I think that with young women, the millennials that have gone through the Me Too movement, I think they're looking at things a little more critical. And I think they're not going to stick around. 
they're not going to stick around for a culture that makes it okay to start with, you know, sexually explicit, you know, sexually explicit jokes or leering or touching. Everybody knows what the unwelcomed, um, you know, harassment is. So I don't have to do the whole list, but I don't think they're going to, they're not going to accept it. And uh, it's again, a much a bigger loss to companies because these young people are going to move on. They're going to move on to organizations that they feel welcome and they feel safe. And that's what the, this is about, feeling safe at work. Hopefully they start their own organizations where they make their employees feel safe. That's right. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Well, listen, thanks again for the time today. But I'm going to ask you uh, one thing before uh, I let you go. You know, what takeaways can you give those who are tasked with investigating and managing harassment complaints in the workplace? And I'm also going to combine that with any advice or tips you'd give those who are struggling with harassment. It's kind of a problem. Okay, so for uh, management, um, I would say look at your culture. If you don't have a culture in your workplace right now where anybody feels comfortable standing up and calling out sexual harassment, then you need to seriously look at your workplace culture and say, how do we get there? How do we get to the day where anybody can call this out? and it's open and transparent and people feel safe coming to work. So look at your culture. Of course, um, you know, the human rights and the health and safety legislation is clear, but don't make it a choice. Um, you know, go ahead and get a third party to do your investigation because they bring, they're specialists in this field and they will bring a lens to your organization, which is going to make sure that when you are end up on the other end, it is going to be a, uh, you know, a very good uh, investigation and both parties uh, will have been listed, listened to and it will be respectful and your organization will come out better at the other end as well. In regards to um, those pers- uh, you know, individuals who are going through sexual harassment now, now, and you know what, there's a lot of women, uh, but men go through sexual harassment as well. You know, find somebody who you can trust and talk to them I decided that I was going, I didn't want to quit my job. I decided that I was making $2 more than minimum wage. Why should I leave? That the organization should make the changes to make my workplace a better place. Now, um, so find somebody who you trust. You're working in your job because it's, it works for you. It works for your family. It works for your career. So if you can find somebody who you trust, talk to them about it and start on this journey because, um, you know, it gives you a unique perspective and hopefully you can make your workplace a better place and the company and your employer will be better better for it. I couldn't agree more with all those points. And on that, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us, as well as any advice and tips that you've given us on how to at least uh, begin navigating a, you know, an undesirable process for anyone. Um, and we can hope to the day where this is all mitigated away and we can all feel safe at work. Thank you. Thank you. And I also want to thank all our listeners uh, today. It's without you, we wouldn't have a show. Um, this is our second show, and I want to tell you we're really buoyed by the results of the listeners from our previous show on cannabis and workplace. This is Peter Bonkett for OHS Canada, saying stay safe. Thanks for listening to OHS Canada's 2020. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back next month with a brand new 2020. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter and send us your questions to upcoming editions of 2020. This is Peter Boxer. Until next time, stay safe.